0: Hello, it's VLGA Connect, and it's time for the weekly newsroom. And as always, the CEO of the VLGA joins us, Catherine Arndt. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Chris. How are you going? Yeah,
1: look, not too bad, although a little bit um, concerned, of course, I I suppose, as we all are hearing the latest stats with the COVID confirmed cases. And um, I imagine that we're all waiting to hear what they look like again over the next few days to understand whether or not we will we'll be continuing this lockdown that we're currently in and just on that I do you know offer my um thoughts to to everyone we're all in this literally together but um I know it is a very difficult time uh diff- perhaps difficult um more so for some than others but certainly it's uh, It's a tough time here in Victoria.
0: It is. And and look, kudos to all the people working in local government. The sense I've had this time around is, yep, here we go again, but we know what to do. We've got this and all the protocols and the processes have uh, been uh, put in place very quickly and with a minimum of fuss, it seems to me.
1: Absolutely. And I don't envy um, the, the job that our health department, our bureaucrats, the acting premier, Um, all of those decision makers having, you know, to do at the moment.
0: So let's have a look at what's on the agenda for the newsroom. Now, can I firstly say thank you for your part in our special budget newsroom edition last week. That has certainly hit the mark because lots of people are watching and uh, listening to that episode.
1: I'm so pleased that, that our viewers have found that of interest and something worthwhile. I must admit, I haven't caught up on the latest stats. What are we looking at there, Chris?
0: I'm just looking it up while you're speaking, actually. But a typical newsroom episode—it's um, not. It's probably about double the usual uh, viewing numbers on YouTube.
1: But that is good, and 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 you know, I think that there's a lesson for us or an opportunity. Uh, to to do more of the same and have a combined uh, sort of chris Eddy, steve cooper and Catherine aunt uh, special newsroom Um, perhaps once a month might be the way to go
0: you've just made me realize what it is it's the steve cooper effect well
1: we don't want to really perpetuate that um myth do we chris
0: (laughs) the heart awards uh they were going to be a face-to-face event this coming friday but of course Uh, due to lockdown restrictions, you've made the call along with Reconciliation Victoria to move them into a virtual setting.
1: Yes, we have. And we're really looking forward to that ceremony, although it will be a virtual ceremony. But what that does enable is for more people to join us and celebrate the wonderful initiatives that we've seen come in from all nominations, and in particular, the finalists looking at community based initiatives that help Uh, non-Aboriginal people and Aboriginal people working together to strengthen uh, reconciliation efforts. So we're very pleased to have the Minister for Local Government opening those awards. We're also uh, joined by Sheena Watt, who is the the member for the Northern Metropolitan Region um, to celebrate the awards this Friday, starting at 11.30. If people would like to attend, they may do so by registering via our website.
0: And I think you've got live radio streaming as well. We have
1: three K and D are, uh, supporting the event as they've done um, quite a few years for quite a few years now, and and live streaming the events. So that's always a um, you know a, an extra element I think that makes the award ceremony very special.
0: Now something that crossed my desk today, and I think yours as well, is this uh, this new tool that's been produced to help councils. In ensuring they're uh, they're picking up on drug and alcohol issues in their health and wellbeing plans. Did you want to tell us a bit about that, Catherine?
1: Look, I haven't had an opportunity to get my head across that in a lot of detail. But what it looks to me to be, and we can certainly share that resource with our viewers in this episode, is to be uh, is is a tool that does assist councils to consider. Uh, a number of different initiatives to incorporate into their community health and wellbeing plans, looking particularly at um, alcohol and drug, um, or you know, minimizing the use of alcohol and drug in their community. Um, I think that the Alcohol and Drug Foundation have been working with the MAV to get that information out they've also approached the, the VLGA to assist them in that.
0: Uh, excellent. It's called the Art of Community Alcohol Management, what local government can do to prevent and minimise alcohol-related harms. So it does appear to be more alcohol-focused than, uh, than drug-focused, but it does sound like a very useful tool. I know a lot of councils are already at the pointy end of their council plans and are folding in their health and wellbeing plans into those documents but but there are still a few months yet to go before they have to have their council plans in so it could be a useful tool for many
1: look i agree and i would suspect even even if they've got to the pointy end of finalizing those plans This particular tool will just assist and strengthen the implementation of what I would imagine to be some of the initiatives that most councils will have in those plans anyway.
0: Now, next week, your introduction to gender equity session, I believe, is just about fully booked, if not by now. But the demand for these sessions has been pretty strong, Catherine.
1: Look, it has been. We've been overwhelmed by the level of interest that uh, we've received in these workshops. So we're rolling out a number of different workshops looking at the Gender Equality Act, the obligations of councillors and councils uh, in the implementation of that legislation, but also encouraging um, council officers and others who may not necessarily see the gender equity portfolio sitting in their um, piece of their, their work um, to come along and understand more about the re- the requirements under the Gender Equality Act.
0: Catherine, it um, occurs to me also while obviously a lot of people are looking at the requirements of that Act um, and the rolling out of the Local Government Act twenty twenty et cetera, we're right in the middle of budget time. And a lot of the, you know, the the grassroots things that councils do are coming into focus as well. I don't know about you, but I've seen lots of reports of draft budgets with all sorts of uh, uh, commitments to, to projects. Seems to me there's a lot of big ticket items this time around, but there's also um, a lot of attention on some of those things that perhaps the value's being really underscored by community use during pandemics, like libraries.
1: Yeah, and, and we spoke about that, didn't we, on the budget episode, the the mm-hmm. recognition of the importance that, of the role that libraries play, public libraries, and, and hence the additional uh, state investment into the public library system. But you're right, and I was also interested to note, whilst we're talking about budgets, the investment that Melbourne City Council have made, I think it's around... million in their budget that's out for um, consultation at the moment, looking at um, waste and recycling collection, city cleaning and upgrades, and maintenance of lighting to the City of Melbourne. I mean, that's a significant investment. Um, uh, with the objective, from what I can understand in the media release that accompanied um, that announcement, was that it was really to ensure that essential services such as street cleaning, graffiti, and waste removal were a key focus of, of the council to provide a, a safe, uh, healthy environment for the residents of Melbourne.
0: I did notice that and it was also Melbourne I think I noticed that were uh, was putting money aside to convert a number of shop fronts to pop-up library venues in the city Uh, abolishing library fines was another thing that they were doing don't want it to be all city of Melbourne centric all of the councils have their draft budgets out and there's lots of great things in there that's uh, well worth looking at so um, leading the agenda let's move to another really uh, exciting topic audit and risk committees is the uh, the topic for discussion that you're leading the agenda coming up in July
1: that's right on the 9th of July we have um a panel looking at the role of audit and risk committees and providing, hopefully, a live panel discussion where the audience can ask some of those questions that they may have been too afraid to ask about audit and risk committees or have always wanted to ask. So looking forward to doing that in collaboration with our sponsor, Pitcher Partners. It's still a little while away and we've got some other panels coming up in the meantime anyway, which we should perhaps focus on. Um, I believe we've got one with uh, a panel of administrators uh, coming up on the 18th of June to discuss the role of um, an administrator versus the role of an elected representative or a councillor. Now, this came about, Chris, because we had a media inquiry um, from, I think it was uh, perhaps in South Gippsland somewhere, where the journalist was really keen to understand what an administrator could and couldn't do versus what a counsellor could and couldn't do. And we thought, well, that's probably a question um, that many of us or many members of the community would like answered and and thought that a discussion um, about that would be would be um, really useful. Chris, and who have we got on that panel?
0: We've actually, we're lucky to have all three current chair administrators that are in office in Victoria. So Julie Eisenweiss from South Gippsland, Nolene Duff from Casey, and Lydia Wilson from Whittlesey. Uh, and I have to declare that, you know, I'm, I'm an administrator now, so I'm really interested in this discussion as well. Uh, so the three chair administrators are coming together for a wide-ranging discussion on the role, and I think that's on the 18th of June.
1: It is and I am hoping that I can join you for that panel discussion as well Chris and perhaps we can co-moderate and you can then ask some of the questions you might have as a recently appointed administrator.
0: So look out for that one. Uh, Now I know you've had a meeting this week or last week with uh, someone at the Essential Services Commission. Do you want to tell us about how that went.
1: Look I did I had the, uh, the great pleasure of catching up with Kate Simmon, who is the uh, um, the commissioner and chairperson of the Essential Services Commission and Kate and I had um, a chat in follow-up to our episode recently where we had Deborah Glassy Ombudsman and her report into the um, I guess inconsistent application of, of hardship policies and debt collection activities in councils and the ombudsman's recommendations that have gone to the state government for consideration, um, outlining a role potentially for the Essential Services Commission to play in assisting the local government sector get some consistency and what the ombudsman would describe as fairness to the way in which they they collect um, unpaid fines and unpaid uh, rates. Uh, Of course, The ESC um, is not really in a position to comment in a lot of detail about that until the State Government, of course, consider that report of the ombudsman and the recommendations and do indeed um, agree that there is a role for the ESC. But what I was able to talk to Kate about was um, they've recently released a report on um, councils and the performance of councils, Um, and she's indicated that she'd be very happy to come on the program and talk about that report. The role of the ESC, um, a lot of our new councillors may not know what role the ESC has in relation to local government and in particular their role in the rate capping policy and the review of um, applications from councils who might be seeking an exemption to being locked into that that rate cap.
0: That would be really good, Catherine, and I reported on that report, if you like, on the on the weekend edition of the podcast, the Local Government News Roundup, and they did find that while at the moment things are, are okay in terms of councils being able to, for example, respond to the pandemic financially, but longer term there's going to be some serious uh, issues for councils if revenue growth doesn't rebound Um, So it would be good to unpack that with the ESC as how they see the system perhaps changing as those situations occur.
1: Look, I I agree, Chris, and there are a number of different areas of government looking at the financial viability and sustainability of of councils and ways in which they can um, explore revenue generation that may be not just limited to to the collection of rates or even state and government grants. Um, And that, from my understanding, relates to uh, the fact that many councils have strong asset bases. However, um, there is, of course, an understandable reluctance by councillors and councils to borrow against um, their assets. And one of the impediments to that is the way, in fact, the Auditor-General undertakes uh, his annual audits of council performance. And where there are councils that have um, gone into debt by borrowing, um, that results in in an amber um, rating by the Auditor-General, which, of course, councils get a bit concerned about, and also so do the community. So my understanding is that the local government minister and the auditor general are in discussions about how the two agencies might work to better support um, local government to look at um, borrowing money as uh, uh, another way of, um, in fact, leveraging off those those asset bases.
0: That will be really interesting to see where that lands and I note that it's a live issue in New South Wales and Queensland and possibly other states as well at the moment around this sustainability as the sustainability issue for councils. Catherine, on that rather sombre and serious note, uh, we might need to wrap things up for another newsroom. Any final words? Look, w- one thing I did want
1: to bring our viewers' attention to was a uh, a notice that came out of local government Victoria late on Friday. In fact, it was Friday evening that talked about the disclosure requirements and differ- differential rates. So under right. the Local Government Act, there are obligations for um, council um, draft budgets to include a requirement to specify the objectives of any proposed differential rates. So a number of draft budgets that are out there apparently do not meet the requirements currently um, outlined in the Local Government Act. So we might Um, send that link that came out from local government Victoria with this episode, but certainly if councils need any more information please contact us here at the VLGA.
0: Thank you Catherine thanks uh, for another episode of Newsroom, good to talk as always, hope you have a great week and looking forward to seeing you online at the Heart Awards on Friday. Looking forward to it Chris and stay safe and well. Catherine Arts, CEO of the VLGA with us for the Newsroom from VLGA Connect.